1: BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. It's seven oh six a.m. on Tuesday, the 27th of February. I'm Shazana Mokhtar in studio today with Philip C. Now, in half an hour, we're going to be delving into the findings of the Asia Cage Free Benchmark by the Open Wing Alliance, which examines the progress of Asian countries' farming methods in the poultry industry. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, but in the meantime, as As always, let's kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight.
0: After the Friday rally, US markets on Monday were all in the red. The Dow was down 0.2%, S&P 500 down 0.4%, and the NASDAQ down 0.1%. In Asia, the only exception being Nikkei, which was up 0.4%. Other markets were all in the red. The Hang Seng was down 0.5%, Shanghai Composite down 0.9%, Singapore's STI down 0.4%, and back home, FBM KLCI down 0.1%.
1: All right. For more thoughts on what's moving international markets, we have on the line with us Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America, Private Wealth Management. Joe, good morning. Thanks as always for joining us. Now, while the recent focus has been on U.S. equities, I think we've seen European markets also running with the bulls. Uh, The benchmark stock 600 index reached a two-year high on Monday. Why are investors now pouring funds into European stocks after largely ignoring? them over the last few years?
2: Well, a couple of reasons, Uh, the expectations, excuse me, that the European Central Bank will be cutting rates. Uh, The valuations look much better in Europe relative to the United States. And I think here in the States, people are getting a little worried about the frothiness of the market, particularly technology. So they're rotating there's a rotation out of like undervalued, high-quality names into Europe, and it's playing well. And it's also off the expectation that Europe's economy is bottoming. A lot of the bad news is out there. We know they're in recession. They're going to cut rates. Inflation is coming down. So there is a, bad, a nice rotation into the European stocks, big big cap names.
0: Very evident, right? DAX up 4%, CAC 40 up 5%. But if you look at the UK, FTSE down 0.1%. Why is there a divergent theme between the UK and the rest? of Europe
2: it could be related to the fact that you know the, the FTSE more broader international companies um, there's some negative sentiment about the election prospects coming in the UK um, so it, it could be more com- company or country specific but uh, the, these big cap names you know in in the European broader continent markets are, just seems to be where the money's fuddling now but remember any any valuations that look attractive. I do think the money will rotate. There's going to be a rotation out of the U S into Japan's another hot market as well. So that's coming, but you know, remember, I'm not sure how long this will play out, but it's coming. It'll be a nice boost to some of these other indices other than the U S.
1: Now, speaking of the U.K., preliminary figures for February show a slight increase in the U.K. composite PMI from 52.9 to 53.3. This is the highest reading since May 2022. Does this suggest that the U.K. is coming out of the technical recession that they entered into last year?
2: I would say, I mean, the short answer is yes, and it's just not the U.K. The PMIs globally are starting to stabilize and hook higher. And as you know, the market's always ahead of the real economy. So there is kind of a building narrative sentiment globally that, yes, We ended the second half of last year on weak footing, real growth, global growth. But we're expecting more of a rebound in, say, 2024. And then when you overlay the fact that a lot of central banks are cutting rates, that's just more fodder for the upside. So I think the real global economy is stabilizing, troughing here, so to speak. U.S., we skipped the recession, thank God. We don't even talk about it anymore. But I think the rest of the world is pricing in a rebound in the second half of this year.
0: And keeping to the u k team, uh, how is how do you see sterling pound trade versus the u s. dollar?
2: I mean, I'll just talk about the dollar. Um, probably oversold here. Uh, I'm sorry, overbought. It'll give back a little bit, so to speak. but um it depends on who's going to move first when it comes to cutting rates. But in general, you know geopolitical politics, the election, everything out there, there's still a strong bid for the U.S. dollar. So, you know, to me, it's kind of like watching paint dry the FX markets, not much happening on the margin. We know with directionally probably a weaker dollar here, but not dramatically weaker because the U.S. economy is just too strong and there's a lot of global demand for U.S. securities assets.
1: So, Joe, earlier you were talking about how no one's talking about the U.S. recession anymore, but uh, I think in, um, indicators that are coming out this week uh, show that inflation or the PCE index is still likely to be pretty high. What do you think that means for the direction of the Fed uh, in terms of when it's going to cut rates? What's the discussion on that like in markets at the moment?
2: well it's really interesting to do because the discussion has shifted and it, you know we we everyone penciled in the fed will start to raise or I'm sorry start to cut rates in june <clears throat> now there's a narrative building out there well maybe the fed doesn't cut rates in june they wait until september but that's too close to the election so the markets are kind of wrapping themselves up in a in a problem here because they don't think the fed's going to be cutting rates anytime soon June is still on the table, but then the election kind of muddles the waters because the Fed doesn't want to be seen being political by cutting Mm -hmm. rates in September. So, you know, as usually, you know, Wall Street's got itself all twisted in knots about what the Fed does next. That's why this PCE number is so important in terms of uh, directionally. If it's stronger or hotter than expected, then, you know, the odds of the Fed cutting rates in June get, you know, get longer.
0: And Joe, I want to get your perspective. We just got news that Kathy Wood shares and tsMC has also also cut of exposure to Nvidia Corp. You know, is she zigging when everyone else is sagging?
2: yeah, and and that can work sometimes. I mean, there's a lot of people now kind of waiting. the The biggest question we get I get is like, when do I you know take profits from the AI, the Magnificent Seven or yeah. six, call it. Um, so there's some people leaning against this trade. Uh, but every time they do, you know they they get whipsawed and they're they're on the losing side. So I think ultimately, <clears throat> if you made some profits in the magnificent seven or six, whatever you want, trim them. Don't 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 sell everything. Trim your exposure. Take some profits and reallocate it to the markets that have you know parts of the markets that have lagged. I think that's a good strategy. If you're you know we've got a one-way horse here. Uh, It's going to tire at some point, and you're going to see the lag. You're going to feel the effects with lower returns.
1: Speaking of lags, then, uh, returns on U.S. small cap stocks are lagging behind those of larger ones, especially uh, the mega mega cap tech companies we're always talking about. Uh, What do you think? Do you think the Fed rate cuts will boost the fortunes of the former, or will people just go more into those uh, mega cap companies? Where can we put our money when it comes to smaller cap stocks?
2: I would be legging into or buying into the small cap story, albeit it hasn't worked. I mean, where we we went overweight uh, small cap stock, it hasn't worked, and I hear about it every day uh, from from, <laughs> from my investors. So, uh, but it's going to work at some point. I mean, it's you know it's pretty beaten up. There's a lot of value there. Um, you can buy them cheap, but we're not there yet. But I do think we're going to get there. I, I do think. And here's another reason to own small cap versus large cap trade protectionism nationalism you know the industrial policies national security th- these are real significant headwinds for for companies multinationals uh, heading into the second half of this year into 2025 so if you want some coverage a hedging, you want to own the small cap stocks that are leveraged to the local economy, the U.S. economy. So keep that in mind. Small caps are—you know—their day is coming. I'm not sure when, um, but there's going to be a significant <laughs> rally. So start nibbling now. Don't don't gorge, but nibble now on small caps.
0: Right. I guess you know what's been nibbling actually has been commodities, particularly oil. You know, Brent crude is up seven point four percent year to date. Where's the trajectory of oil in the moment?
2: That's a great question because the supply and demand. If you look at the supply, the U.S. is still out there pumping over 13 million barrels a day. That's offset some of the pullback we saw in the Middle East producers. And I do think the demand is coming back. We're seeing early indicators, particularly down in your part of the world, where the Chinese consumer now is back. They're traveling, they're starting to spend. And I do think, you know, with commodities complex in general, the big story could be if that Chinese consumer comes back, starts to normalize post the pandemic i think that's a story for commodities so we've seen the shake out we saw a lot of downturn uh in say 22 tw- into 23 commodities could get a bid here off that Chinese consumer story. But we're not there yet. But early indicators are that the Chinese are outspending and traveling more. That's bullish for commodities.
1: Joe, thanks very much for speaking with us. Uh, That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America, Private Wealth Management, uh, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead and uh, uh, still keeping faith in uh, U.S. small-cap stocks. uh, Still worth putting some money there, he says.
0: but don't gorge i think that was the advice given
1: pretty much uh, and the day will come small <laughs> small cap. the day of the small cap will come uh, we just don't know when uh but yes turning our attention to some of the international corporate headlines uh, that uh that are getting attention. We do have earnings coming from Zoom. They announced fiscal fourth quarter results that beat expectations aided by strong demand for its expanding product portfolio as more employers embrace hybrid work models uh, coupled with Zoom's attempts to incorporate artificial intelligence into its products.
0: Now, the video chat software company reported a net income of $299 million US dollars for the quarter ending January 31st. This is compared to a net loss of $104 million dollars for the same quarter a year ago. Revenue increased some 3% on year to $1.1 billion. The company also reported an operating cash flow margin of 30.6%. It's a very interesting perspective here. You know, we thought that this would be the stock that would die after the pandemic, but it seems to be still going strong, right? It still seems to have the legs.
1: And I think you can see that in terms of usage, businesses are still using Zoom uh, to connect, to have meetings and stuff. We see it here at BFM as well.
0: They're just making you work harder.
1: <laughs> I think they, well, I, I'm not I'm not a Zoom shill, uh, but the point is everyone was saying that things will die out once people return to the office. But I think uh, we have gotten used to these uh, virtual ways of communicating and doing business. It's not going to go away just like that. So uh, with this AI theme as well, I think Zoom is trying to uh, push their AI companion. Uh, they're really hoping that this is what's going to gain traction um, with uh, consumers and also investors. So That's interesting right. to see.
0: Yeah, if you look at the stock, it's actually trading down slightly, 63.12. If you look at the analysts' uh, reports and ratings, it's actually generally mixed uh, 10 buys, 23 holes, and just two sells.
1: All right, it's uh, seven eighteen in the morning. Maybe we can squeeze in one more quick earnings. This is an interesting one. Domino's Pizza they experienced a rise in stock following better than expected uh, fourth quarter performance in U.S. comparable sales. Uh, in this sense, uh, they are defying a trend uh, that other fast food chains are seeing. Uh, they did report a two point eight percent increase in domestic comparable sales, uh, surpassing expectations of a two point two percent rise. This was
0: attributed to a promotion called the Emergency Pizza deal a twist on a buy one get one free deal an effort to enhance operations and advertising although one that said though international performance was weaker with only a 0.1 percent increase in comparables due to challenges in europe and geopolitical tensions in the middle east so i think that's the one that i think you see some commonality there with the rest right the international markets aren't performing as well as what we saw them to be
1: All right, Uh, 7.18 in the morning. Uh, We're heading into some messages, but we will come back to look at more of the top headlines in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.